0: They often say that human beings are like the moon because we only see one side of them. Human beings are like the moon because we often just see one side of a human being. If you imagine, for instance, (laughs) imagine there's this one person that you know who tends to get on your very last nerve. Every time you're around him, you just tense up, right? And yet, you find out a week later that they volunteer every Saturday at a soup kitchen. And you're like, great, I can't be mad at them now, you know? Or maybe you know somebody at work that, um, that maybe is super quiet, they never speak, and you think, gosh, I wonder why they don't, they never talk. And then you, kind, you find out later on that they're caring for their elderly parents or they're struggling with cancer. So my point is simply to say, we often see one side of a person without looking behind the curtain and seeing an entire life behind that side of them. People are like the moon because we only see one side of them. Imagine the thousands of people that you and I meet in one lifetime, and thousands, man. It's incredible, right? Some of them we're very close to, some of them we're just acquaintances with. You meet somebody at Starbucks at Atlanta Airport. And you talk to them, hey, have a good flight. I'll see you. Take care. And then there's some friends that we have that are maybe we're, we like, but if we have a big struggle in our life, we're not going to open our heart to them. We'd never call them if we had a struggle. But if we see them at Christmas party, we'll say, hey, it's good to see you, man. How's it going? And then we have people that were real close to, if you need to have an ugly cry, you know that one person you can call, right? And then you go out and have a martini. We need, those, we need those friends. And then there's one or two people in our lives that we can be brutal, just raw and real with them, right? They know us on a deep, deep, deep level, just be totally open. I sure hope that you have somebody like that in your life, maybe your spouse. Then of course, there's God, <laughs> there's God. Human beings are like an onion, right? You know all these acquaintances, maybe somebody is on the outside, a layer of the onion, and as they get closer, they call that in psychology, levels of intimacy. Levels of intimacy. And when they get to know us, some people that are in the middle, we later push them out. You ever had a following out with a friend? I'm guessing you have. Maybe they're in the middle, they get pushed out because they kind of betray our trust. But then other people, they come in and right in the middle of the onion of this thing we call a human being is God. This right now is a host. I can hold it like this because this is not yet Jesus, okay? This is two ingredients, folks, water and wheat, nothing more. There's no cinnamon, there's no vanilla, no raisins. People say, Father Ben, can't you just make your own bread for mass? And I'm like, look, some people are so good at complaining, they would have complained on what's on the menu at the Last Supper, okay? No. I'm not. By the way, that would totally invalidate the Mass. This is, the church is super strict on this. Two ingredients, water, wheat. That's it. Nothing more. Okay? So I want you to think about this. I've said this before. Maybe you've heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again. Imagine this is the first Mass that you've ever been to. You've never been to a Catholic Mass, and you came here And you walk in and you're like, I don't know, I see all these people sit, stand, kneel. Is this Catholic calisthenics or something? Like, right? And then you see this guy up here wearing pajamas, right? You're like, what's that all about? And then in a few minutes, the priest is going to stand up here and I'm going to call this cracker or wafer an animal. Anybody remember what animal? A lamb. Behold the lamb of God. And then I'm going to say that this animal does what? Removes the sins of the world. Okay, imagine how crazy that sounds to people if you're not familiar with the Catholic Mass, that this is going to become God who takes away the sins of the world. you have any idea what that sounds like to somebody who's not Catholic? Even St. Paul says that people looked at them like they were crazy. He said it's folly for Christian and non-Christian alike. This is what the saints refer to, and I'm quoting here, is the food of immortality. Because if we take Jesus at his word, what he just said in John chapter 6, what's called the Bread of Life discourse, he says, If you eat this, you will live forever. Now this is God saying this, so I'm guessing it has some merit behind those words. The food of immortality, or what Pope Benedict XVI refers to, and I'm quoting here, the food of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the So if we take him at his word, then this is the food of truth that leads us to the way and the life. If you don't remember anything of what I'm telling you this morning, here's something to walk away with. When we properly understand God, he is not a noun, he's a verb. I'm going to say that again. God is not a noun, properly understood, he is a verb. What does that mean? St. John says God is love and he's constantly giving forth his love. He's an action of love. That's what the Trinity is, yeah? God is a verb and there's nothing that is more intimate than receiving God into your body and soul, that's what this feast day is all about. And at the end of mass today, I encourage all of you, we're gonna process out the back of this church with Jesus, we're gonna walk all the way around the church with Jesus, especially along Summer Avenue because when you walk along big procession of Catholics, everybody's like, they're crazy. I knew it. And I'm like, yeah. Right? And it's part of it. We don't make any apologies for Jesus. We're proud. You know, when one of my favorite things to do when I eat at people's homes is I play game, this game with their kids. And the, ga- the name of the game is called, What Would You Never Do? What would you never under any circumstance do even for a million dollars? And so we go th- I go through this list and I ask the kids, I'm like, would you hold a tarantula in your hand for a million dollars? Nope. I said, would you uh, go out on a dance floor at a wedding reception and do break dancing? Nope. I said, would you go skydiving with your priest? Nope. And then, of course, they often say, well, uh, Father Ben, what would you never, ever do? I'm like, I don't even have to think about that. I know right away what I would never do. There's not enough money in the world. I would never, ever do an African safari. And the people I know that have done African safaris, they're like, Father, that's, that's awesome. And I'm like, nope. I've watched too many YouTube videos of a Jeep and a safari and a cheetah comes and stands right next to these people, or they're being chased by a herd of elephants or rhinoceros, you know? It's like, I don't need to experience that. In Memphis, we have our problems, but I've never been chased by a herd of elephants here. Okay? Actually, in Memphis, they just take your Jeep, you know? (laughs) But point being is that, you know, it's it's worth us asking, what do you fear? What do you fear the most? Because at some point, if you really want to grow, you've got to confront your fears. I'm not saying that your fear is going to materialize, I hope it doesn't. But if you want to grow, you've got to confront your fear. You think he was not afraid to go there? The Garden of Gethsemane, it says he was bleeding, he was sweating blood. You think, well, that, that's nice, Jesus. I, as long as it's you and not me, I'm not really into that whole uncomfortable thing. Yeah, that's what we signed up for, folks. And some people, they don't want to grow. They want everything on a Jerry Springer, Springer surface, first layer of the onion. I don't want to grow. No, thanks. I'd rather just sit here. <laughs> All right, man. You mean that same spot 50 years from now? They don't want to, it's Just fine. It's their choice, but you can't be happy that way. Jesus is a verb, not a noun. But it's not enough for us to just say, thank you, Jesus. Thanks for that. No, he's like, you are going to follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. I'll, I'll close with this. Just a quick question for, for all of us here how do you handle crisis? When you have crisis in your family, in your marriage, in your life, at your job, how well do you roll with crisis? Leon Panetta, the former CIA director of the United States, one of the, a man I admire greatly, he said, in this country We either govern by good leadership or we govern by crisis. And his point is simply to say, when we lack good leadership, crisis will lead the direction of this country. You can either be proactive or reactive. Think about everything we've come through in this country. September 11th, the Great Depression, which was 10 years. You know, we went through 25 waves of the yellow fever. 1877, over 20,000 people died in the city, JFK, the Cuban Missile Crisis. You know, one of the greatest crisis moments of the United States is often totally forgotten about. It happened in October of 1957 and there was the Russians put into space this satellite that was no bigger than a beach ball. Anybody know what the name of that was? Sputnik. It was this big, two by two feet. Every 24 hours, Sputnik made 16 loops around the globe. And for three months, many parents would never let their children leave the house because they assumed that the Russians were leaning over spying on them. They were terrified. A few years later, a couple years later, they sent the first man into space, Yuri Gagarin, and you know what he said? The Russian astronaut went into space and he came back and he said, (laughs) he said, I went to space, I didn't see God, he does not exist. But they were terrified. And that's what the Russians were trying to do. They weren't gathering information, they wanted to freak out Americans. And you know what? It worked. It worked. Churches packed. September 11th, churches packed. Pearl Harbor churches packed. This is why I'm sharing this with you, folks. We don't have to wait to a crisis moment to have a relationship with God. In fact, When you and I have a relationship now, when the crisis moments hit, you weather those storms much, much better because you're not playing catch up. In each one of those moments, we've we've had those moments where everything melts and falls apart in our life and we think, Lord, if you just get me out of this, just please get us out of this situation. You can do that, but if you have a relationship now, with Christ, you will weather it much, much better. God's not a noun, he's a verb.